Well, those jazzy tones only mean one thing. On the Outside is back. I'm Harry Vanderwood. With me, as always, Marcus Taylor. Marcus, how are you? I'm fantastic, Vanders. Probably better than I was last week when it was just announced we were going into lockdown. And uh, so it's, it's great to be back. I feel, well, I feel almost that the warm glow of chess cricket has, uh, has lifted me. Yes, well, it's certainly a delight. This just, test cricket at night is beautiful. It's a beautiful oh. thing. You know, stay awake far too late, get up in the morning, upset, tired, grumpy, and, and go to work. It's the lovely English tones as well, you know, mm. the, it's the sort of burble. But anyway, we'll get into that. We'll get into that shortly. It's, it, it has been a big week in sport, as it always is. Yes, certainly has. Look, Tales, the, the show, you and I, and, and the show, huge fan of sweaty balls. But, we love sweaty balls. Uh, yes, always. And, it. and the men attached to those balls. Yes, takes a sweaty man to have sweaty balls. But what they are not enjoying, or where they're not enjoying sweaty balls, is in South Australia. What's Why no sweaty balls in South Australia? Uh, it's an interesting one. I, I thought that myth about COVID and sweat was debunked about 15 months ago. But you're referring to Nicholas Spurrier, the... Something I think it's the chief public health officer. We can just South get the Australia. we can just get the audio actually. Just yes, to let's this. let's just listen to what Nicholas said on Wednesday. We're looking at the seating at the moment, and of course we're looking at the ball because sometimes the ball, as not that I've been to many football games, I have noticed occasionally it does get kicked into the crowd, and uh, we are uh, working through the details of what that will mean. If you are at um, Adelaide Oval and the ball comes towards you, my um, advice to you is to duck and just do not touch that ball. Right, which is, that was, that was funny enough. Essentially, <laughs> if you're sitting in the crowd, duck. Can you imagine, like, if you're sitting in front of someone and a Sharon comes zinging out of the, out of the Ford pocket and just give it the little duck and down you go it's, and pour, it's just pour a grandma co- behind you? COVID bomb. Just kicking <laughs> COVID bombs into the crowd. And everyone just scatters, you know, because that's the infected woman. But no, that, that was funny enough. But then she, uh, she knocked it up a notch. Regardless of COVID, this ball has been touched by many sweaty men out there on the field. Just go and sanitise your hands before you start eating your chips. Wasn't that just <laughs> really, really <laughs> doubling down? Taken out of context. I don't know if it is. It's a full grab. Many sweaty men, which you know, I don't know if what her her you know these remarks are often scripted. Was her writer just like, I don't know, watching a bit of Jamie Jury? Did I write it? Beforehand? What was I like I, I feel like I wrote it. I, was, exactly. I got very excited seeing that. And then just popping all over my Twitter feed, all over the news. It was oh. just good to see sweaty balls and sweaty men everywhere. All right, we'll move on from that because hopefully she'll give us some more gold uh, over the weekend. We might be able to hear some more, see if anyone touches those sweaty balls. But... Um, Tails, I wanted to touch on something we talked about last week. Um, Naomi Osaka has now pulled out of Roland Garros, citing sort of mental health uh, concerns. Um, what's your take on how that escalated so much during the week? Um, I wasn't surprised it escalated because probably the most precious people in the country, uh, sorry, not in the country, in the world, are sports journalists. So, and particular tennis sports journalists as well. So I wasn't surprised that it mushroomed because they were all talking about it. You know, it was something they wanted to talk about. So, you know, the media loves talking about itself. I'm surprised it ended up taking the turn it did that she just ended up saying, you know what, I'm not doing this. I'm not even playing anymore. I was surprised by that reaction. 
did that change your opinion on it? The fact that she pulled out uh, of her second round match? Um, it certainly changed my opinion in that rather than her not liking press conferences, it seemed like she really, really didn't want to do them. And I think it doesn't leave the tennis tournament organizers looking that good. And I feel like there just should have been more communication between the two parties. Yeah. Um, and I like to think that if they understood, and it's probably their fault they didn't, but if they did understood, understand fully uh, her sort of concerns, then they would have eased her off those press conferences as well. So I, don't, I think it's a pretty bad result for both parties and for tennis in general. So hopefully they learn from that and other sports learn from it as well. Yeah, I thought it was it was interesting that Wimbledon came out after she pulled out and said, oh, by the way, look, you know, you're coming to Wimbledon next. We're more than happy to work with you. So once once we realised that she mm. she was prepared to go through with it, Wimbledon did a good 180 and just said, oh, we'll help you out. No, absolutely. Yeah, well, of course, all, all four Grand Slams were involved in the, uh, in the exactly. decision to fine and, and sort of chastise. So look... If it, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting where it'll lead. I think, as we talked about on last week's pod, probably need to revision, reimagine the the press conference. Um, yeah. But you know, hopefully, she's made the right decision for her, and that she, yeah, is feeling feeling well soon. And just a final note on that: spare a thought for Petra Kvitova, who is more than willing to do her post match uh, obligations, but actually, <laughs> incredibly managed to roll her ankle, thus taking her out of the, the tournament while she was doing her post-match interviews, which is extraordinary. So maybe that's what Naomi Osaka, she saw into the future and thought, you know what, somebody's going to get hurt badly, and it turned out to be Petra Kvitova. Well, I mean, that's two people now into the third round that have pulled out because of press conferences. So, mm-hmm. Big issue in tennis. Fanders, it was absolutely lovely, absolutely lovely, as we did mention it off the top, to have cricket back. Maybe it was lockdown, maybe it was just the absence of English test test cricket, which I love, but I almost got a little emotional knowing that it was coming up. Did you sit and watch the test match from Lords? I did. I had a spring in my... Well, actually, I unfortunately saw a tweet from Michael Vaughan that said he was heading into, into London for the first time to watch test cricket, but he... Sent it a day early. He was obviously going down for the night. <laughs> that is keen. So I got very, I got very, I got very excited that it was starting on the first. So then I got home, tried to find it, and it wasn't on. So that was fairly devastating the day before the highs and lows. But then yesterday, on the second when it started, very excited, spring in my step, um, and just great to see Test cricket back in England. It absolutely was, and uh, we'll get to probably the media story coming out of that that first day very shortly. But speaking of things that, that do warm your heart, and as a, as a lifelong admirer of South Africa as you, as you are, Devin Conway started beautifully. He did. What about that? Big ton on debut, not out as well. Um, a few other experienced batsmen fell around him, Taylor Williamson uh, and Williamson, sorry. So, I mean, that's, that's dreams come true there. And you really hope, my hope, if I was in that position as a player, would be to make a big double hundred on debut at Lords and then just mm-hmm. never be seen again. Just retire. <laughs> just a bit of the, uh, who was it? it was, they've had a couple. It was Matthew Sinclair, was it? Mm. And um, had another one. Jesse Ryder, was it? Jesse Ryder, yeah. I always love watching Jesse Ryder mm. play. 
he was good. But no, it is a, it is a fantastic effort to do it. I, I, I could only sit there and wonder how Warner managed only 90 runs in that entire 2019 Ashes against the same attack. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Conway's just whipping him off his pads oh, over square leg. Yes. Which I found was fantastic. Yeah, it was beautiful. But uh, not the only story about a debutante um, in the game. The other one, not as positive. Um, Ollie Robinson tales. What, what happened there? So basically, uh, somebody's gone back and found all, a lot of old tweets from, uh, from Ollie Robinson and that some of them are racist. And some of them use um, quite discriminatory language as well, uh, which we don't condone in any, any way. And I just felt that the timing of it was very interesting, given that this man had played, the tweets were nine years old, and this man had played you know, cricket for, for probably 10 years. So he would have been about 19, I think, when he, he tweeted this stuff out. And I thought the timing was was exceptionally curious of them. Yeah, as you say, you, you, I mean, obviously he was using disgusting language. And, and if you haven't seen the tweets, you know, you go look at them but, or, or trust us that they were sort of disgusting language. But I am always sceptical when, you know, they haven't occurred on his, on his debut for a, you know, just as, as a coincidence. So someone has gone and, and sorted out um, and you have to ask yourself, does bringing this up really do any good for anyone, for the sport or, or for sort of community relations in general? And the answer probably is no. So I think it's disappointing the intent. And yeah, as we say, you can't excuse the actions, but yeah, I, I just, I, it's just a nasty feeling all around, I think. Yeah, I, I think you put an interesting point there is that, it's very, it's, it is very easy for us to say, as you know, our middle class white men to sit here and yeah, say, oh, 100%. Um, you know, this was, this was a bit pointless. But I think what you said about the intent, I think you've, you've used the phrase in the past about a, a gotcha moment. And that's kind of what it felt like here. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is a lot of benefit in going back and finding um, past statements of what people have said when it's particularly hurtful. And as we saw with the Collingwood's Do Better report, you know, that's emblematic of, of what was systemic racism. And I think it is quite helpful to go back and look at those things sometimes. But in this particular case, I think the it, this was a 19-year-old kid saying dumb stuff. And I don't think it this sort of stuff coming to air, I don't think made him better. I don't think made his teammates better. I don't think made... England better and I don't think it made cricket better I don't know it's just not a nice thing all around not excusing his comments or anything like that sort of some vile vile language but yeah it just it just doesn't seem like the right intent were there but I think we're getting to that age and we're probably a similar age ourselves tales where the internet people like it doesn't forget and a lot of young people are sort of finding stuff or you know that's going to happen all the time Every time anyone's famous now, someone's going to go straight through their old Facebook, Twitter or whatever and, and just try and stir up stuff about them. So I think it's an, it's an education, not that you're trying to hide your thoughts or hide your disgusting sort of mm. comments, but people just need to learn that everything you do on the internet, no matter how young, dumb, stupid, is, is, can, can stay on there forever. And it sort of wasn't a problem 10 or 15 years ago. So...
Tales. It's time for a returning segment, which happens extremely Whoa. rarely. Hey. I think apart from hot takes, which we will get to shortly, this is the only segment to have ever returned. So don't mess it up. What have we got on our book club? Last week, you teased us all with a, a book yes. club. Yes. Um, so yes, take us through it. Yes, Vanders, the book club, as I teased last week, uh, the book we're reviewing yes. is The Boys Club by Mick Warner. So this covers the Demetrio and McLaughlin administrations, which sounds kind of boring, but trust me, is very tasty. Yep. So I think last week I teased that it would be about the Essendon drug saga. So it's not specifically about the Essendon drug saga, but it is somebody that was involved. So we all remember old, old mate Dank, Stephen Dank, who I'll curse to the day I die. In uh, The Boys Club by Mick Warner, who sort of presented this story as sort of saying, why was Essendon punished so badly and these clubs weren't? Mick Warner says in his book that Stephen Dank worked at the Gold Coast with Nathan Bock. So do you remember Nathan Bock? It was a, would have been all Australian sent out back in the 2008, I want to say. Went to the Gold Coast, had a lot of foot in injuries. He injected, according to Mick Warner, with a, a banned substance. He also has details in there of text records that suggests that Dank worked with Melbourne, in particular Jack Trengove, he of Scully and Trengove fame. And also, and this is the big one, Geelong. So there's records where Geelong made payments to Stephen Dank's, to a company that Stephen Dank was associated with. There's records there. And so essentially Mick Warner was saying, why weren't these, any of these clubs punished the way Essendon were? Which I, I, I think it's interesting that this guy was so pervasive in the system. So these didn't, this didn't get brought up at all at the time, did it? Nope. The Nobody would brought have it thought... up at the time. Nobody no. said anything. And is there any evidence that it was banned substances at all? I think in the Nathan Bock case, there was. Mm. So you, yeah, the AFL you think just had enough, thought it was settled and didn't, didn't want to reopen it. I absolutely, absolutely. I think the AFL just thought, no, nah, bugger it, we're not opening this can of worms again because the time period that Warner alleges that uh, Dank was, did some work at Geelong also happens to overlap with their greatest era. So you don't want to be casting aspersions over that lot of, over that lot of players. No, but it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting just the fact that it hasn't, and in no way suggesting that it, it helps, but very interesting it hasn't been brought up by anyone at all. I don't know how it doesn't leak out either. I, I find it very, very strange, Vanders, but uh, that's this week's book oh, club. Book so club. I might might have another tale from next week's one. Maybe something in the Demetrio era. Let's see if we can get our hands dirty in that. Yeah, I barely remember him. Isn't he working for some big oil now? <laughs> some huge lobbying firm? He worked for Crown. Because remember, oh, it was last year. It. Yeah, big oil. That's, that's the equivalent it's to it, it, big oil. Yeah. Did I, I, I've never told you my Demetrio story. So... Well, maybe as a precursor to next week. Yes, you're right. Club. You're right. Yes, absolutely. I have a Demetrio okay. story. Put we got to get people. I was in the same room as him. Huge. Tails was there when dot, dot, dot. All right. Book Club's a huge success. Um, but now, Tails, I want to move on. I want to do a hot take. Oh, I don't want to do our hot takes because unfortunately... How did we go? Well, we had mutually exclusive hot takes and you won. 
Well, it, to be fair, I thought Melbourne would beat the Dogs by a lot more. I thought they'd whack them by 10 goals, which, you know, I think it was five goals. So, look, I'm happy to take a half point there. I know. I think, I think it's a full point because it was enough. They beat them by enough. It was not necessarily the number. It was how they beat them. Um, and we, we sort of, the language I think was blow away or, or show that they're a pretender, which is a bit harsh. But happy to give you the win there. Well, not happy, but able to do it. Barely. Thank you. Um, so that's 2-1 to you now on our hot takes. Obviously, there's no real rules. The scores don't really work. There's long-term takes. There's weekly takes. They're all very confusing. Mm-hmm. However, we will try and make it all happen at the end. Uh, loser has to buy the winner a bottle of our dear sponsor, Straight Bat Single Malt. Yes, the great Straight Bat Single Malt. Heads. i tell you what, for a winter's night, sit on the couch, rug yourself up, Give yourself a little, a lovely little taster of the uh, the straight bat single mould. It warms the heart almost as much as as having Test cricket back on. In fact, I would say for every day of Test cricket, have yourself a straight bat single mould. Well, it's my birthday on Saturday, Tails, and I think I may indulge myself in in a bottle of. Actually, if the straight bat is listening, which they always do, huge fan of the show. They do. Uh, great sponsors, and maybe they'll. Uh, maybe who knows? Maybe they'll send me a send me a little taster. Um, but let's get on to our hot takes now. Um, what is your hot take for the week? My hot take, and it is ridiculous, but I guarantee you it will come true. If you're, if you're a betting person, I would pursue this advice. Don't gamble responsibly. But Ash Barty will not be the best performed Australian at, the, at Roland Garros this tournament. Ooh. There is a sleeper. There is an Australian sleeper who's going to play. Do you have names for well. me? No, I don't. <laughs> Spicy. God, I've, you've really, book club's really drawn me in. I think everything's just a conspiracy. <laughs> Sleeper. All right. That's, I don't mind that. That might not be able to be done next week, but I, yeah, we'll put that as a long-term one. Uh, my hot take, I'm going to go back to the cricket. Yes. Uh, New Zealand will beat England by at least 200 runs. Oh, that is good. And it yeah. feels good too. And it's a hard, I want yeah. Play this next week, a hard 200. A hard 200. 199 will not count. <laughs> uh, I love it, Vanders. I love it. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing the Kiwis smash the palms over the next couple of days. Anything else before we get out of here? No. Oh, oh, actually, didn't you get a text message about... Yes, yes. Some Sorry, yes. Breaking, no, we, I, we breaking a, news. A little text message. Well, that Carlton are making a major announcement, a major club announcement on Friday, middle of the day. All the captains will be there. Oh, the captains both will be there. The CEO will be there. Uh, yeah, all the leadership okay. group will be there. Any coach? Coach will not be there. Okay. What are we? Inter- what are you thinking there? I don't know, Vanders. I, I, I'm guessing. I'm going. I'm guessing because everyone's there. All that leadership group that somebody at Carlton might have done something a little bit naughty. Well, I think that well, you did tip a few weeks ago that Teague would be gone. Do you think any chance? I did. I, I think it would be, be incredibly harsh to whack it, to ax him on the Friday before, before they play on the Sunday, especially when they've made him move out of Victoria and go into a hotel or a semi-hub or whatever they're in. I think it would be harsh. But you know what? I kind of like that. Be harsh. If you're not going to win, at least be entertaining. Well, Tars, quickly getting uh, recognised as one of Australia's best sources of news is on the outside. Um, we all wrap it up. We are wrapping up, Vanders. Stay on your couch, peoples, and watch 
watch the TV because there's fantastic sport on at the moment.